You're listening to Divorce Literacy with the Divorce Lending Association, a divorce podcast where we dig deep into issues of divorce that center around the marital home, other real property, and divorce mortgage planning, helping divorcing homeowners and their divorce team make more informed decisions regarding home equity solutions during and after divorce. Welcome. Thank you so much, Maria. Bushi for um, joining me on this interview. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time. And can you just provide me with a little background knowledge on yourself and your practice? Um, yes. I first started out as a, you know, third grade teacher in Dublin, you know, school district and taught third grade for five years and loved it and thought there was a lot more mental health issues that were kind of on the undercurrent of some of my students. So it really helped me to kind of address those before their school day got started in order for them to, you know, be able to perform during the school day. And usually it was about divorce or moving and things that, kids didn't have any control over, especially because their families were going in all different directions. So for me, that was more important than them getting, you know, a math lesson or a literature lesson. So I ended up doing um, my clinical license at University of Dayton and being a guidance counselor after my kids were born and worked in schools and loved it. I worked at Hilliard Horizon in Hilliard for, Mm -hmm. I think about two or three years. I can't remember exactly. It's on my resume, but I also then decided that it wasn't enough after I saw the groups that another social agency was doing. That's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to do school guidance counseling lessons. I wanted to see the kids that were really having dig deeper, the dig deeper lessons of like child abuse, um, there was sexual abuse, there was divorces, there were so many things that happened and, and social services would come in and they would take over where I'm like, but those are, I felt like those were my kids. Like my kids, I, I, I want to take care of them. Yeah. Yes. I want to yeah. take care of them. And I wanted to see it till the end. And I was an advocate for them, but then here they got transferred to somebody else. So it's like a system instead of it being streamlined for them and how hard it, must be for them to be able to trust an adult. Yeah. And as soon as they start to trust you, they're transferred to somebody else and have to rebuild. That's hard. Yeah, absolutely. And so I ended up doing groups and getting my license and doing social work counseling through Northwest Counseling, which is now Centero for, I think about seven years. And then I wanted to go back and again, reinventing ourselves. I loved it. And I love working with the guidance counselors and they were wonderful as far as like trying to tell me it was like a grief and loss group. It was a divorce group. There were so many kids suffering in a school system without any resources whatsoever. And so I decided to do my own practice and then open it up to children, especially I still do very reduced rates right now for kids because parents can't afford it. And I want to do that for them when they're struggling through, whether it's learning about ADHD or parents getting divorced or a, a death of a parent or a grandparent or a sibling. So 
that was my purpose is to be able to. You want to help people and pay it forward and share your knowledge. Yes. Exactly. That's, that's why I got into this area. And I know you, you and I are very kindred spirits in that arena. Yes. Um, So of the family counseling, is there a special area or group of people that you ideally like to focus on? I know you're, you're, you have women's workshop, you have children, you have families. Is there any that you, you know, really identify with or have a passion for over the others? That's a great question. Um, I think it's a three-part process. I think women suffer when they're getting divorced, especially if there's a betrayal. So I like working on that end. I like working with parents that are struggling with maybe their child's behavior. And since I've seen it in a classroom, I'm able to help them in that arena. But it's also like individually, if it's something that it could be a grief and loss or um, like somebody died or a child's acting out. And that's exactly why I got into counseling because I won't divulge his name, but it was a boy in my third grade classroom when I was teaching and his behavior was so crazy when he would come into my classroom and he would throw chairs and it was it, it, and in Dublin, that's not like something that usually you see. So he um, was telling me, he's like, I'm from Michigan. I don't want to be in Ohio. My parents got divorced and that's why I'm here. And I don't like you. <laughs> so most parents, you know, most teachers would go, oh, well, that's a behavior issue, but it's really, it's a, it's a grief issue. Mm-hmm. A child's learning about. He lost, what, lost his community, what he knew. Yes. And also lack of control. So when I work with divorced groups, it was always what the kids can control about where they're taking their things back and forth from one parent to the other. And I still have my um, lovely art paintings from some of them that would tell me what it would be like from one parent's house to the next. So I think to be an advocate for children is the most important thing because they don't have a voice. It's not their decision. Right, right. Um, each divorce and family situation is unique. Um, if there is one thing you could change or one thing you'd like to tell people that they're just maybe considering divorce or not really sure where they're headed, um, if there is there any advice you'd like to give them? You know, actually, I'm doing that right now with a couple that's got five children. They have five children and one is nine and the other one's at Ohio State that's 23. So that might be probably the progress that's going down the road. But what we decided is what's best for the kids. Mm -hmm. And I think they have to disseminate what is best for the children first and how they want to see a relationship between mom and dad moving forward and not just what's happened in the past. Well, and when there are children involved, you're going to be involved with your ex for a long time with your children, even when they're adult children, if they have grandchildren, you're going to, as much as you might not want to, you got to think about after the divorce. Mm -hmm. It's only not after the divorce, but also not looking at if it's not culturally acceptable sometimes Mm -hmm. and to say what's best for the children and what's best for you. Like everybody's happiness is an inside job and you want to model happiness for your children. I like that a lot. Um, I can only imagine the benefit of somebody going through divorce to have a strong divorce team, to have a counselor, to have a financial advisor, 
to have an attorney or a mediator or a coach. Um, what do you recommend people look for in those um, people that are going to be part of their team? Because it's a very important team and it takes a village or it takes a team. So is there anything oh, you... Absolutely. And not only that, but when when people file for divorce, what is the most important thing is to get a mediator that understands both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm seeing that there's a lot of conflict and then they will contact me as, as a therapist, which is great to get your children in therapy. That is the number one thing. They want to see that you're trying to help your children through this difficult process. And when you're doing that and you're the advocate for your kids, mediators will definitely kind of look at your, into what you're saying into consideration. Are you familiar with collaborative divorces? I have been involved with some of those. I mean, because that's when a mediator is involved oftentimes or a family coach Mm -hmm. and, you know, half, almost half of the divorces are pro se or don't involve attorneys. So it's very important to have Mm -hmm. a mediator, a coach, someone that can work through things and is knowledgeable. And also to also have the voice of the kids. You're right. And if they're old enough to speak, which some of my clients in family therapy have been old enough, they haven't allowed them to really, they are now saying their piece. So I think it's really important once you're above the age of 13, that you could speak privately to a mediator and be able to have it be confidential in a courts, you know, like in the court system. Right. And say what you want. And say what you want. Do you have a most memorable case in the past that, you know, that just sticks with you, whether it was positive or negative, that just really impacted you? I do. I, I think about, um, a mom who wanted the best for her children and the dad impeded every single positive thing that was trying to be created into the children's lives by, and what I mean by that is she would try to move them into a school district that was really conducive to getting them scholarships. They were very athletic and dad didn't, he almost like wanted to put them back into isolation and actually lied to the courts about where he was living. And it found they found out about it, which was wonderful because it ended up, you know, really hurting him in the end because he was hurting his kids yes. and they're, they're very successful now. That's awesome. And, so and they would come and they arrived in spite of it. And probably yes. because of that mom, that she was an advocate for her kids. Yes. And she fought and he, but he wouldn't meet with me, but she would bring them all the time for, to see me regularly, just to make sure that there were things that maybe she wasn't able to know, or, Mm -hmm. you know, because some of the behaviors that were going on at the house, I mean, the things that the father would do that, people wouldn't believe from a 13 year old would be like cutting his hair, like right away when he got out of school and not telling his mom and shaving it off and making him do certain things that were so degrading, traumatizing to children. Yes. 
and also not. So he would lie and say that. And she would, t- I love that, that one of my clients who was a girl would tell me that was his sister would say, and he wouldn't even buy a shower curtain so I could take a shower. And you're like, none of us would know that. And, no, no. and so and the mom would not know that because she wasn't there. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think the process of having someone safe and trustworthy to talk to, and then being able to, to address the parents in a, in a very, um, I think insightful way will, because both of them in the end really want the best most of the time. Right. But right. this guy. In different ways. Yeah. In different ways. Well, I really appreciate you talking with me and we'll share this on social media and YouTube. And I'll give you a copy if someone wants to um, contact you. What's, is there a website or an email or phone number? How do you prefer they contact you? You know, I'm really more like texting and like my, but I want them to see my website because it's like tells the story of my journey and who I am as a person and as a, as a therapist, but it's www.wholeheartedworkshops.com and workshops.com. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you very, very much. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for listening to Divorce Literacy. Discover more strategies and solutions on divorce mortgage planning at divorcelendingassociation.com.